previously on the Enneagram journey. Uh, that was what gave me life. Like every day is different. I have three to four assignments all over DFW and um, everything is different. Like I could be going from um, meeting up with a homeless gentleman on the street and then going to a swank house party in um, the richest area of town and then running off to a fire. I mean, um, I loved it. And I loved that I could drop in deep and find meaning with people. It, and they opened up to me in these deep places. Um, and I could authentically be there with them, truly. And then I would jump out and I'd never have to revisit it. Attention to two things right now when I'm working on bringing up feeling. Um, and, and part of that is, this is really new, within the last week or two or like a month, it was in the past. Um, like I think I'm trying to say to people that I love that hurt my feelings. And that is a really scary thing. It's really big. Um, and I've probably done it three or four times now and I'm super proud of myself. And it's all, it always, so far, it's taking me a couple of days. You know, it's like I can't say in real time, oh, that really hurt my feelings. Do you remember anything about a key or April doing anything unusual that day? She did make a stop by the shoe shine stand before we left because she wanted to drop something off for Andy. She had a real bad crush on him. Oh, babe, you had a crush on me. That's embarrassing. We're married. Still. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Anygram Journey podcast with Suzanne Stabile. My name is Joel, and today's guests are Philip and Jamie Bowen, out of Detroit, Michigan. Philip is a seven and Jamie is a three, and they share some on that dynamic, some of Philip's incredible music, how they discovered their Enneagram numbers, including Jamie's struggles between one and three. Spoiler alert, uh, Philip did not have any problem figuring out he was a seven. Uh, what does a fight look like between them? And let's talk anxiety, parenting, and so much more. You know what else we need to talk about? The journey toward wholeness, Enneagram wisdom for stress, balance, and transformation. It's the Enneagram Godmother's newest book, and it is available November 2nd, and it is Dynamite. You can, of course, pre-order before November 2nd uh, at ivpress.com and amazon.com, and then November 2nd and onward, you can find it Barnes & Noble, lifeinthetrinityministry.com is a, a great place to find it, um, and anywhere you buy your books. If you happen to be in the Dallas area on the 2nd, come join Suzanne in celebrating the release. We'll be celebrating at the Grove Church here in Dallas. Just visit the LTM homepage to RSVP. That's all you got to do. And uh, come. She's going to give a speech, sign books. We're going to celebrate. Have some fun. That's a celebration. Also, in 2022, Richmond, Birmingham, Houston, Austin, Portland, Dallas, Denver, Charlotte, San Francisco, Kansas City, we're heading your way for the Anagram Journey Toward Wholeness Tour. If you didn't catch all those cities, just hit the old uh, back 30 seconds button and listen to it again. It's going to be a book tour that's also a podcast tour. We're going to be live on Friday nights uh, doing the Anagram Journey podcast interviews with a host of phenomenal guests. And then on Saturday, Suzanne is going to be teaching on her new book, The Journey Toward Wholeness. That schedule and the dates and the locations will also be released on November 2nd. So what a big day. This seven is already there. But for now, 
in this present moment. Here is Suzanne, Philip, and Jamie. I am very anxious to talk to you as a young seven and a young three with three young children. Yes. <laughs> uh, after um, you know, a, a time of spending a lot of time at home <laughs> together. Yeah. <laughs> but because there's so much to unpack that might be helpful to other people. Mm-hmm. But before we start to do that, Phil, I want to tell you that I got to hear uh, some of your music. It's astonishing. We will share it in whatever ways we can. I know that at least one song that you wrote, when people hear it, they will automatically, if they know the Enneagram, they will automatically know that it's an Enneagram song. And I'm uh, particularly grateful for the depth of it because, you know, there's a lot of trendy, mm-hmm. um, Enneagram talk and music and comparisons and um, things that don't represent the depth yeah. of the Enneagram and Enneagram work. And it's clear to me by what we've had an opportunity to know about the two of you that you're, you're way in. So yeah, way in. So we're talking with a a seven and a three Mm -hmm. and Jamie, it's my understanding that you found out first about the Enneagram and started sharing it with people. I imagine you were sharing it somewhat aggressively. Like (laughs) you have to know this. Yes. 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 That's exactly how it went. I started hearing about it through podcasts and I saw it pop up in magazine articles and social media and I was in. I just got so interested, but I had no idea what it was. I just was like personality. So I listened to the liturgist podcast where you had done an an overview (laughs) and I remember walking around my neighborhood and I was in. I was like typing people, which I know you're not supposed to do, but I'm (laughs) As soon as I heard seven, I thought, oh, my goodness, that's Phil. I mean, it was just so obvious. And then I'm thinking about my family and I'm going on. And I, of course, went to the library and got every single book and put every single book on hold. I read every book. And so the irony of this whole situation is I got everybody on board in my family. I'm like, please take the test. Read the book. No one really wanted to read the book and get as hardcore as me. But they did the test. And. The irony was I could not figure out my own number. Yeah. I I was figuring out everyone and I got really frustrated. And so I actually walked away for probably over a year. I didn't listen to any podcasts. I didn't look at any book because I was like, why is this so easy for everybody? Why is everyone figuring? And I would always type as a one because I can be a moral perfectionist, but there's nothing at all that resonated with me with the ones it just never felt right i don't i mean if you saw me the way i load a dishwasher you would understand this as phil yes it's horrible it's, it's the so, worst yes. um <laughs> once i figured that out just um for, for people that are listening my integrum one wife can't load a dishwasher to save your life oh, okay okay well that makes me so. feel better but still no with the, um i actually decided after all the searching i listened to a podcast an enneagram podcast again because i'm like oh i just really want to figure this out i want to get to the bottom and a line that helped me figure it out and i don't know why this resonated with me but it did it was a man and he was trying to figure out if he was a one or a three 
And he said that people had come to cut his lawn and they did it incorrectly. And he wasn't upset because they had done it incorrectly. He was upset because people were coming over later and they were going to see the lawn done incorrectly. And I was like, that, that is me. (laughs) I do that with everything. It just connected. And then I could see it. But I just was so blind to, so I don't know. I just, it was a relief once I figured it out and a lot of things started clicking. But I don't know what about that line really resonated with me. It was the the difference between a one and a three in my mind in a really specific way that I related to. So Well, I want to talk to you about that a little bit more so we can help people who are trying to figure out if they're a one or a three. Yeah. I think that one of the things that you want to kind of, um, hold always is that image is really important to you, but your image is, um, not tied to things being perfect for a one. They're looking to get an internal satisfaction that the lawn is done correctly for a three. It's, we have people coming over and I can't, this isn't how we live and we don't do our lawn this way and we can't have this. And so I I think it has in part to do with what's happening either externally or internally. And in terms of you um, wondering about what other people are gonna think, that's threeness because that's how you're put together. Mm -hmm. Oneness is more, there's a right way to mow a lawn and a wrong way to mow a lawn. And I've paid somebody to do it correctly and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And now I, I've got this problem. So think about that, but this is more important. You are able to walk into any room, anywhere and be what the people in the room want you to be. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. And you're intuitively able to do that. So you've been doing that since you were a child. Yes. And nobody really intimidates me. You could put me in a room with anybody and I'm like, okay, we can make this work. I'll figure it out. And I'm connecting with that person immediately. It's like, okay, we got this. We're good. We're good. So with that, you can surely see why you can't immediately know your number because you've been adapting who you are Mm -hmm. to meet the people in the room and who they want you to be all your life. So what happens with threes, either they have a very difficult time figuring out their number or they don't want people to know that that's their number. I could see that. (laughs) It makes sense, it makes me feel better. I think I've contributed to that along with many other people, uh, other teachers in a way. And that is that, uh, you know, the traditionally there are, all the Enneagram numbers are connected to the seven deadly sins plus two. Mm-hmm. And the sin or passion is a better word, actually, um, for threes is deceit. Mm-hmm. And I think once threes hear that, there's something in them that just shuts down. And I think they don't want other people to hear that. And Russ Hudson, uh, Rizzo and Hudson fame, Russ Hudson, uh, and Joe and I did some teaching recently here in Dallas at a conference. And he said, uh, in our preparation for that, you know, I I don't use deceit. 
anymore for threes because the heart cannot deceive actually. And threes are in the heart. Try it. He said, instead, I use vanity or vain glory. First of all, that's easier to hear if you're in a group of 50 people who are learning the Enneagram. It's like vanity or vainglory is a little bit easier to handle than the cultural understanding of the word deceit. And vanity has to do with people are coming and the lawn has to be done correctly. Yeah. That, that's it right yeah. there. So it yeah. makes perfect sense to me that that was helpful to you. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense to me that you were able to help everybody else. You, you know, you know what their number is because your way of seeing them is to figure out what they want from you. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, it's a, it's a tricky spot on the Enneagram to be able to all day long, be 10 different people, if that's what's required in order to play the role and meet the people you're with. And then when somebody says, okay, well, which one are you? It's like all of them. (laughs) Yes. Or you fall apart because you don't know. Yeah. You are a stay-at-home mom right now? Yes. Can you talk? We we get emails about that constantly. Uh, can you talk about that? Too, Jamie, I would just say that I hear a lot from stay-at-home mom threes mm-hmm. oh. who had a life dream of all the things that they're going to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't what you do all day at home with three little bitties and they kind of struggle with it's my desire to be successful. How do I, how do we measure that? How would I know if I'm successful and will I ever get out of here and they'll be at school and I'll be doing what I Mm -hmm. was going to (laughs) do. Right. Right. I think where I'm lucky in this is that I did teach before I stayed home. So that was a life goal. And now that I understand this more, I've known since I was five years old that I was going to be a teacher. I was going to go to school and I was going to do that. And I did that. And I taught for four years. But I will say another life goal was to be to have children and to be able to be home with them. So I did desire this and I wanted this. And I think the struggle for me that can be hard as a three is um, with your kids because you are you you want to do great you want to do everything well and I think that's a lot of pressure for your family and your children especially and I think for me what that looks like is focusing on relationship parenting not performance parenting because my what I did my natural tendency was to perform 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 this is what they want but a child can't they will be crushed under that. And I'm realizing I'm getting words for this more. I read a book recently called Love Centered Parenting um, mm-hmm. by Crystal Payne. She's wonderful. She has a blog, Money Saving Mom. But anyways, she wrote a whole book about this, how um, building those relationships takes the pressure off the performance. So I think this has been a huge shift for me because I wasn't even realizing that times I was doing that. I was yeah. pushing my kids towards performance because that's what I'm comfortable with. This is how I have survived all of these years, or this is how I work my way in the world. And I'm so thankful for her writing. And I'm so thankful for the Enneagram too, to bringing it to light for me, because I think that's the biggest hardship. A lot of times I face is that 
I just want people to see me as a good mom. If I'm being completely vulnerable, I I don't want to see be seen as a failure. And I can't put that pressure on my children. They're my children. They're going to mess up. They need my love. They need my grace. They need my understanding. So for me as a stay at home mom, yes, I'm still have to do things like I run and I, I need to hit that eight mile mark. I want to do the half marathon. I need to have these challenges to keep me going and to release that energy. But I think the biggest lesson I've had to learn as a parent who stays at home is um, to not put so much pressure on my children because I'm definitely guilty of it sometimes. Um, It's hard to admit, (laughs) but uh, I want those healthy relationships so they don't feel like they have to perform to get my love. Um, They can be who they are and I'll love them for that. So that's where I'm at. I don't know. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah, no. I, we it's so funny. We talk. We've been talk. We talk about this a lot. We talked about it lately, during a particular chaotic day with, you know, it's just one of those days where it's like, okay, we got school, soccer practice. We got to figure out which jersey to take. Is it the right jersey? Who knows? You know. And so we we it's just it's funny you mentioned that because we've been talking about this a lot. And I think she's the best mom ever. But she is, you know, just she wants to be be. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, she does a great job, but like, I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know uh, why you put this pressure on yourself. I think it's all great. You know, of course, but. And for the record, it was the wrong color Jersey. So you can imagine (laughs) how humiliating that was. She was devastated. I was like, they're they're eight. It's fine. Everybody sees that she's wearing the gold uh, Jersey. It's supposed to be maroon. So it was good for all of us. Good exposure. exposure. Jamie, I would just have to, say that's an awful lot of uh, wisdom for a young three mom to know that uh, they're not you and that you have the potential to offer them what worked for you. We all do that. I did it. it. It's like, try this. And I, then there's the whole step that you've taken in that you decided to say it here. And I'm telling you, young moms that hear this are going to be so grateful for you because they're feeling everything you just said. And they've taken the wrong jersey and they were mortified because somehow that equates with the fact that you're not a good mom and it doesn't have anything to do with being a good mom, actually. And, (laughs) you know, it's um, you are doing some really good differentiation work between you and the children. And I can see how the Enneagram has helped you to do that. And I think it will help everybody to do that if they're willing to do their work and not just say, oh, I'm this. And my excuse for my behavior in having my children perform a certain way is that that's my Enneagram number mm-hmm. and you're not doing any of that. So that's way cool. Thank you. Kudos I'm from trying. me. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> did you as a seven, did she tell you that you're a seven? Well, she, she, she said, take this test, but I already know exactly what you are. And I was like, I just want to know if you come to the same conclusion. And so I was reading through some of the descriptions and I listened to that same podcast. And as soon as they started talking about seven, I got so excited. I was like, Oh, that's me. Like everything they said. I mean, I'd never had from the first time I looked at it from that point on, I knew I was a seven and I thought it was the absolute coolest number. I was like, this is, this is me. You know, so I was very excited. And Jamie's like, I told you, I told you she knew she knew right away. (laughs) Wouldn't it be fun, Jamie, if we had read our numbers and gotten so excited and said, oh, 
this is me and I want to be this number and I'm so excited instead of oh man (laughs) (laughs) I know that's exactly how I feel and actually of this classic seven I avoided reading you know the 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 seven in uh in the the negative part of it for a little bit I was like well you know I think I'm probably more up here but but that then that's what through several years and us talking about it where Jamie's been really good for me is to help me learn to kind of sit in some of those uncomfortable things and work through it versus, you know, next, next. Okay. You know, acknowledge it, ignore kind of situation. So it's been incredibly helpful for me to just mature in that way to see what I can tend to do and, and understand why maybe I didn't feel like myself when I was doing those things why it was so uncomfortable for me. I was like, I don't, I don't feel like I even recognize myself right now. And I, the Enneagram work has really helped me to understand and like acknowledge what some of that is, you know, versus just kind of moving on to the next thing. Well, I just wrote down acknowledge and ignore, man. I like that line a lot because sevens feel like they've reached a certain maturity level when they acknowledge and ignore. It's like, I always say that the problem with sevens is getting them to see that there's a problem. Yes. Yes. And so I've reached a certain maturity level. (laughs) Oh, you have. It's maybe not the end level. (laughs) To reach the level where you just acknowledge and ignore. Acknowledging ignore is better than ignore. That's correct. Mm -hmm. That's correct. It's on the way, but it's, you know, yeah, there's a tish a little more to go on the road. Just a little. So when you recognized, Phil, that you acknowledged and ignored and you were going to do more, what'd you do more? Well, um, I'll give you a quick example of one thing that I didn't really want to do, not because I didn't want to help people, but I have a cousin who works for the Children's Brain Tumor Foundation, the CBTF, amazing organization. She is, her career is the opposite of what I could do as a seven. She's the bereavement coordinator for this organization. And it's mostly children that have terminal illness. Most do not survive. And so during 2020, when COVID hit, she said, hey, all of our fundraiser stuff used to be in-person, gala-type stuff. We can't do it. And I would love for you to come and run a part of this, this Name That Tune contest for the kids. And I told Jamie, I said, oh, my oh goodness. You know, I mean, I love my, I, I can't stand when my kids have the flu, much less seeing kids like in a hospital situation or serious illness, you know, and these families – and Jamie's like, I really think that you should do it. It will bring you a lot of joy and it will be good for you. Um, and she has helped me to more. I, it's not that I don't have empathy. She's helped me to empathize more yeah. deeply without just enough what I can handle and then running away. And so I did this event and I've done it three times now, um, which which has been crazy. And every time when I finish, I sit down here and I cry for like 20 minutes because some of the kids come back and the change in them from year to year is really discouraging. But where they encourage me is like, they're, I don't like, they just do it. They keep going and they're so happy still most of them and they interact with their families. And this is probably a lot more than what you are looking for. But I would say like where she encouraged me to do that, I probably wouldn't have done it on my own, not because I don't care about kids, but because I knew how uncomfortable it would make me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm in a room with them for over an hour and, it's wonderful, but it's also really, I mean, it's just, oh man, it just takes it out of me. I almost can't look at my own kids for a little bit after it because it's so much, but I don't think I could have done that five years ago. I really don't think I could have to that level. And so it's really helped me immensely to like understand that about myself and 
help me to empathize a little bit more deeply and to sit in something that maybe is a little more negative that isn't fun, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't really lift me up, but that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's very interesting because when people ask me for a spiritual practice for sevens and eights, I often say you should go volunteer at a hospital, mm-hmm. a cancer hospital or a transplant hospital. If you, you know, if they'll let you or a children's hospital where you can't reframe what's right in front of you. Mm-mm. So you have to be present to it. And what it does is when we talk about sevens having a half range of feeling, you know, if the happy half on, on a range. And what it does is it, it slowly moves the needle that was always toward just the happy half so that it makes your range of emotion a little bit wider and a little bit wider and a little bit wider, which is the goal. You can't just go from a life of reframing to, oh, I, 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 I'm feeling everything now. It doesn't work that way, but it is uh, transformative. That's transformative behavior for you to do that. It it truly changed my life in the best way possible because like you said, with the whole reframing thing, Mm -hmm. one of the things that would affect me the most is when I would see a child from, let's say the third time I did it to the first time I did it. And in my mind, my tendency is like, it's all, it's going to be fine. They're going to get better. And they may not like Jamie would tell me like, they may not, you need to be prepared for what you're going to see. And that's why it helps so much to have a a partner and Jamie who can like, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm drowning in that moment because she's helping to uh, prepare me and, and like support me. Does that make sense? So, you know, I'm a little more buoyed by that versus like, what am I doing here? You know, like it's, it's much more doable. Well, now I understand it too. Cause when we were first married, this was a piece that I could not, I mean, I have a tendency to be an emotional robot with certain things. If I'm doing something or the feeling is not productive, like being a with people is not going to be productive in this situation. So I'm just going to suppress it. And, but one thing I could not figure out was um, occasionally, you know, I would be struck. There would be something going on, you know, especially when yeah. I was teaching earlier on, I had a few hard internships. You see a lot. And um, he'd be like, oh, but I mean, it's fine. We're mm-hmm. good. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, I'm not good. This isn't Okay. And it was almost like you couldn't figure out. I don't. I don't know. It was almost like you just. I don't know. Yeah, right I mean, way. I mean, I would be like, like, I, like if it's me. Usually, by the time I yeah. get home from work, when I was commuting, by the time I get home from work, it's gone. It's gone. Yes. Like yes. I'm just, I'm ready yes. to be home and yes. I'm ready to be with my kids. I don't want to think about work. Right. I and it's easier for me right. to like put it in a box and throw it over here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let's let's go for a bike ride. Wouldn't that be yes. fun? Let's plan a trip, like my ultimate drug. Right. Let's plan a trip. Let's do, let, you know, and right. and just the planning of a trip, even if we don't end up going, if you could go to Europe, where would you go? Tell me about it. You know, versus like, right. you know, and I come home and I w- might see her upset from a tough day at work or a family thing or something. And I'm but like, well, planning let's... a trip wouldn't help me. No, no. it wouldn't help her. She's and like, I need to talk about, like, I, I, right. I need to be sad. But he's you know? so much better about you. You're very enthusiastic. It's a good mix now. It's enthusiastic mm-hmm. and positive, but it's not dismissive either, right. which I think is huge because yeah. that's a huge that's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And I I think that I'm getting better at that. Do like yeah. cuz you he, sometimes he'd come up to me like I'd be busy doing something and in my zone and he'd come up and be like just give me a hug. Stop the task. Give me a hug. <laughs> just come here. 
Okay. I was like, I was like, I was like what task are you trying to accomplish right now? <laughs> Just forget it. Give me a big hug. And she'd Just be stop. like, okay, I have to. <laughs> it's very inefficient, but I'll hug you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I- yes. It's, it's um, an interesting balance that you all are finding because, yeah. um, you know, in terms of all the lines on the Enneagram, uh, feel you're going to get to use this when you're not feeling enough. Uh, so, Jamie, you're going to probably hear this defensively at some point. Okay. But of all the lines on the Enneagram and, and the numbers that we're connected to, the only two numbers that are not connected to all three triads are sevens and twos. So Phil's never going to have a seven, never going to have a feeling triad wing. He doesn't go to the feeling triad in security. He doesn't go to the feeling triad in stress. So it's like to get some feelings, he's got a, it's a, yeah, it's a, you need to plan a trip. (laughs) And once, once I'm truly Jamie sent me on a trip because like I was so stressed about this and this is where she's wonderful for me. I was, I, I took, I left a job that I was feeling very trapped in and it's the worst feeling in the world. And I was like, all right, this new job is, it's a new thing. Sounds good. We can live wherever we want. We were thinking about relocating and I took this job and it was not good for me. It was, it was a, a lesson I learned. Nothing to those people it was just like the worst possible mm-hmm. fit for me. And I was waking up every day. I did not, I was told Jamie how I was feeling. I was like, I don't know how to express that. She's like, that's anxiety you're feeling. <laughs> he didn't and I, know how to say I'm not used anxiety. to that feeling all the time being persistent. <laughs> and so we had a, 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 the church we got married in in Florida, the pastor was retiring and they're having this big thing for him over a whole weekend. And they sent us an invitation and we was like, oh, that's nice. And Jamie said, no, you need to buy a go. ticket and go. I'll stay with the kids. It's just a weekend in Florida. Do a trip, go. See your sister down there. And I'm telling you, it was like a cool drink of water for me. Like, it was just like, I had something to look forward to. I went and did it and I came home and I was like, all right, Refreshed. you know, and like to, for her to know me and know that like, you know, she wasn't kicking me out to get me out of the house. She was like, no, this will be good for you to do a solo trip. And I don't know. Some people might think, well, why would an Enneagram seven like a solo trip? Solo trips rock for a seven. Joel, do you, I mean, I, I was, it was so pumped about that solo trip and it did wonders for me. I'm super introverted, so I don't know about you, but yeah, I, I don't need for me to be a seven and do seven things and live seven life. I don't need other people to be a part of that. <laughs> I sometimes would like the people that I love to join me. And if they don't want to, then I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. I understand that. It's interesting too, Phil, to hear you. Cause Joel, we travel together, you know, so I get to hear him plan things. Mm-hmm. And then since he was a little boy, when the reality doesn't match what he imagined, yeah. it's it's like so sad for 34 seconds, and then he's just going to plan something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This sounds familiar. I have, a, I have a story that when I was in elementary school, I was a very fidgety child in uh, third grade, and Mrs. McCarty, my teacher, kept like taking stuff out of my desk because if there's a pencil, I'll play with the pencil. And so she's like, all you can have is like, it was like a three paper clips and I am in some push pins or something. And I made army men out of the push pins and paper clip. Cause I was like, well, this would be, I could still have fun with what's left, you know? And she's like, Phil, like, you know, it's class time, you know? So I've always been able to try to, you know, we can find something fun to do with something, you know, that, that is uh, my mom still tease me about that. Like they couldn't take enough away. I'd still find a way to play with something or make up a, a game you know, with what I had left. So 
it's very so interesting because Joel would was itching to go to his room. Mm-hmm. It's like just ground me. <laughs> Don't talk to me anymore, but do send me to my room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to talk for a minute about I can still have fun with what's left. Okay. I think that's just really good language for some place between reframing and disappointment Mm -hmm. that what's left I can still have fun with that's a fascinating line I'd love to hear you and Joel talk about that um sure yeah I mean I would say for me that there's there's nothing worse or there's I don't like feeling when there's no options left if I'm if I'm trapped and there's not if, if it's like it's either this or nothing. I'll take this because, you know, that situation where you're in, where you've exhausted all options and there's nothing left. And wait, so, so I have to be in a childish sense. I have to be bored with this, like in that school sense, but in maybe a life sense, you know, I don't know. Like if our house was burning down and somebody set off fireworks next door, I would turn Jamie around and say, Hey, like that's happening. It stinks. But there's some fireworks going off. We might be able to enjoy the beauty of that for a second, almost to a fault. And I know that about myself. I do know that about myself, but like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying with that is like, what can, how, what can we find in this? And music, music helps me with that too. But sure. what can we find in this that, that we can, you know, maybe not reframe, but like, let's, let's take what, what little we have and, and make something of it. Mm-hmm. Jamie, do you ever want to cry though and watch the house burn? <laughs> Yes. No, I was thinking while I was saying that I'd be the type that like, I'm calling the firefighter. I'm doing because when he's that like, that's where I feel like I thrive. Like everything's gone. And I'm like, I got this. We're mm-hmm. going. Put her in motion. Yeah. This is what where I live and thrive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we went on vacation uh, this past summer. Uh, the family did. And uh, so Whitney's a one, not a three. Okay. But um, on the way back, we are carrier got was stolen off the roof of our car at the hotel and we had taken most of the things out and I did not know that some of Whitney's jewelry was in the carrier and so and I look outside and I parked it underneath our window and I look outside in the morning while I'm brushing my teeth and I'm like that's our that's our car and there's a carrier and I put a lock on it so they just cut it all off anyway oh man we go downstairs and we are looking at the car and we're kind of figuring out and she's I can tell that she's having a really hard time with it because I was like this sucks yeah it's gone now like there's no I wish there were fireworks going off to turn and look at but (laughs) it's gone now and I know though that Whitney's really struggling she lost I lost so I only have like 10 shirts that I like and those were gone but compared to the feelings that she I know we shouldn't compare feelings yeah. I knew my feelings were much less than hers. So yeah, I looked at I her and I, I said to her, do you, want, um, do, you want, do you want me to hold you? Do you want me to hug you? And she's like, yes. And so she's shorter than me. She's in my chest. I'm got my arms around her for what felt, and she's sobbing for what felt like 10 minutes. And, you know, finally we got the kids upstairs in the hotel room and all four of them. And so finally I kind of gave her a pat pat on the back and, so fast forward to her last, she's in uh, Hunter Mobley and the Reverend's contemplative cohort. 
Okay. And she comes home, and I'm like, hey, how did y'all's session go? How'd the meeting go? And she's like, it was great. Uh, for some reason, I always, I always start crying and when I'm with that group. And feel like, and I told her, I said, you know that you can cry. You can cry here. But you don't have to wait for that group to get together. And she goes, I love you, and I know you're working really hard and, <laughs> and to, to do this. And the example she brought up, she goes, when our – when my jewelry was stolen, you tried really hard and you held me for maybe two minutes. <laughs> and I need, I need more time to cry. Yeah. And yeah. You're still able to give. And Hunter Mobley gives me that time. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so so I, I get what you mean where it's like, hey, yeah. let's. And so, you know, I can see the confusion with one and three. Because once we got in the car again right. and started driving, she was on the phone with insurance. She was on the phone oh, looking yeah. up the value of her stuff and where she can buy it again to yeah. be reimbursed. And the doing was going on. Like it right. clicked in then, but it, uh, it didn't go on there in the parking lot, unfortunately. Well, the feeling stuff is really what threw me off too, because the thing was my inner world, I'm feeling everything all the time. Like I actually do have a lot of feelings, but I just, I don't know how that's, confuse me because when you read about it a lot the writings do make it sound like they're not the most they're not too we're very emotional like that how it always sounds in the book but that's how I feel on the inside but I think maybe in the past more so than now mm -hmm. um because I've grown in this area but um that confused because I just I did have so many feelings I wasn't always an emotional robot but I think in your green book the between mm -hmm. us you talk mm -hmm. about performing feelings and I connected with that too mm -hmm. um how sometimes I am feeling all of these things but I don't really know how to express it so mm -hmm. threes don't necessarily they're not feeling anything they are at least my experience but I don't know even like when I had this is embarrassing but when we had our baby I was feeling so emotional but I was in the room and I'm like I don't I don't know how to to be right now yeah. Yep. It was so confusing and it was almost like everybody just leave this room so I can look at my baby and process this by myself, be whatever I want to be. Not that anyone in the room was wanting me to be anything. This was all what I had put on myself. But that is the best illustration I can give you is like performing feelings because I am feeling it. I just don't always express it maybe as freely. Yeah. Well, two things I would say, and I wanted to do performing feelings and I'm going to go back a little bit, okay. but it's the same thing as the lawn. Okay. You have people yeah. in the room and you just had a baby. Right. And you're having a lot of feelings, but for you as a three, they need to be the correct. They need to be yes. the right feelings. Yes. I right. I felt that. Yes. Exactly. That's how I felt. Yeah. yeah. So keep in mind always that you take in information from the culture, from the world around you, from your environment mm -hmm. with feelings. So you start with feelings because you're in the feeling tribe. Right. And then you set feelings aside if there's not time or room or the appropriate space. And so that's what you did when you had the baby. If y'all could, I'm going to put my feelings over here, but I have them still. And if everybody would leave the room, then I'm going to have them. Right. But I don't know if they're the right feelings. And if you'll think I'm a good mom with these feelings. And it gets into, is somebody going to think I'm crying in a negative way? Like I'm not happy. 
It's all of that external. How does this look stuff? It's crazy. Well, it's threeness. It's no, it's no crazier than any other number. It's just threeness. (laughs) Yes. It's just putting a leash on it too. Like I'm just thankful the Enneagram has given me that awareness. Now I see it and I can put a leash on it. Like, oh, okay, you're doing that. You're doing that again. Accept it and then work through it. So, yeah. So there's quite a bit of difference then. And uh, I'm going to accept it or acknowledge it and then work through it. Three. (laughs) And then we got acknowledge and ignore, Phil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So y'all are, y'all got the acknowledging down. Yes. Good. Yes. Well, right. We're working on acceptance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this is a perfect time to talk about how the time and the work that Phil has done are not ignoring. Uh, yeah. So I'll let you give more of a background around your song. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this, you've got lots of music, this specific song. Yeah. Um, and I've got, I'm going to play clip that the whole song's phenomenal but the clip that the second verse that stood out really to me in the lyrics and i'd love to hear you sure happy to it's almost like i'm digging my own grave down it's not like me i must have switched with someone else Always thought it was the strength and not the struggle But it takes more than that to be happy with myself You know I've never cried so hard that I can't stop and smile a little I've never been so sad and scared that I can't breathe I can't seem to break this chain And I know it's killing me I just want to lose it all so I can be finally happy with myself. Yeah. Well, uh, so <laughs> the song is called Happy With Myself. And I will say that usually I can write songs pretty quickly once inspiration strikes. This song is a different one. I've been working on this song for over a year. It was the hardest one for me to write because I wanted to be honest, very honest. Not that I'm not honest in other ways, but I really wanted to speak to something that I think maybe a lot of other people might be feeling in different ways. And so the second verse, when it's like, you know, it's almost like I'm digging my own grave now. It's not like me. I must have switched with someone else. And I, the, the most uncomfortable I am is maybe when I'm in that kind of like unhealthy place in that like one space where... I'm like, can feel hypercritical or I can feel really like not like myself at all. Like I'm digging my own grave. Um, And that next line where I always thought it was the strength and not the struggle is that like, so for, for myself, I almost felt like I could always just power through something or, you know, have enough fun or have enough distraction where I could just be happy. But the struggle, you, you can't leave that out of the equation. You cannot be strong enough to eliminate the struggle element that has to be dealt with. And so one of the things I love about songwriting is that you you have the challenge of telling a very complex story in a short amount of time. And so the words are currency and you only have so much. And so what I was trying to do with that 
is to express all those feelings about, in my particular experience as a seven, but I think other people, even in their own numbers, will have a similar experience where there's maybe something about yourself that if you could change it, you might be happy with yourself. And this is just speaks to more of like the overall element of, you know, <laughs> just kind of what I, what I go through and just struggling to have that that true feeling of happiness, not like a fleeting experience. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the maybe the short of it of of kind of how I got to the space for what you hear in the song. It's interesting because I think in my language, I think what you're talking about is joy. Mm that what you're looking for is joy and you settle for happiness Mm -hmm. as all sevens do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because you're so creative and not, I mean, I think all sevens are creative. You're obviously using uh, songwriting as an outlet for some of that creativity. Mm -hmm. But I think what happens is you, it's a hard thing to accept that you can't create joy. It happens and you can receive it but you can't create. And the, yeah. And the acceptance of that is, uh, I think what opens the door for you to be able to, uh, receive experience joy when it comes. Mm -hmm. Yes. A hundred percent. And I know for me, and I'm very comfortable saying this, like how I started writing the song, like the first verse says something along the lines, like, um, you know, back in the day, I used to sit and count my problems. I never could be happy with my health. And I'm talking about like, yes, my mental health, but also just like for me, one burden that I've always carried, like I have, I don't remember a day that's gone by in my life since middle school, probably that I haven't thought about like how I look or like, like the literal weight that I carry. It's always something I'm working on, just being happy with your body, being happy with your own skin. And, um, you know, so like that's super personal, obviously, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to mean that for maybe somebody else that's hearing it for them. It could be anything like it could be whatever it is. They might be struggling with that little piece of themselves. That's always been kind of nagging that. And I, and I grew to understand that like, like your physical appearance is not what needs to be bringing you joy. It's deeper than that. It's more than that. And that's hard to get to, man. It's hard to get to. Um, so I don't want to ever sound like I've got all the answers or that I'm all the way there, but this was just a way to kind of help me sit in that and kind of, talk about those kind of struggles and feelings and things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when you are put together in a way that sevens are so that you tend to avoid the struggle. And, and I think you grow up believing that, that you're strong enough yeah. to avoid the struggle. So it's the strength that you rely on instead of the struggle. And then you find out that that's where all the magic happens Yes, in, in the struggle. Yes. hundred percent. Not to reach for like an anagram super in your mind i really liked the line of i thought it was the strength and not the struggle in the front of suzanne's know your number handouts that we give at workshops it says on page one just by itself it says the best part of you is also the worst part of you wow and so yeah Yeah. when i when i heard that part of the song that's what i equated it to of the things that i always thought like man i'm crushing this the fact that i can Let's look at the fireworks. Let's mm-hmm. move on. Let's, mm-hmm. this is a gift that I'm giving the world and what the Enneagram has done in this work of that can be a gift and that can be a real, real detriment. Yes. Um, at the same that, time. Man, that's, I love that. I love that. That, that could be a song in of itself. I love that. It's, that's so, that's so on point. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. 
Uh, well, here's the song I want you to write. Like I wrote it down. I, if you're looking for song titles now, yeah, I've got sure. one for you. Sure. I can still have fun with what's left. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a seven line. If ever was one, we should put that on a t-shirt, Joel. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'd like to uh, talk to the two of you about two other things. And, sure. and the, the first is you all have done a good bit of work inner work uh and it's obvious as a three and a seven you're young and you've got a lot on board about dealing with yourselves and growing um you are both feeling repressed so what do you see that in your life as a couple and do you see that in um in ways that you think, man, we need to get some feelings here. We need to, or is it like things are heady and you kind of get things worked out in your head in a logical, heady way, and it, it's satisfying? You go first. Okay. Yeah, you go first. Um, yes, I do feel this. I, I think we see this. I don't think we ever get really heated honestly, with hmm. arguments or because we're both, we may be feeling it internally, like I might be, but of course I'm more controlled probably. Mm -hmm. And he's more just like what I talked about earlier, where I feel like you've gotten a lot, maybe more dismissive, like it's fine. We'll, you know, we'll work, we'll plan a trip, you know, let's just <laughs> move on, move on. And I think that we, this is an area that we're constantly growing in. I mean, because you do get you know, we've been married 11 mm -hmm. years now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that works for the first few years. And then things start to build up more. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work. And then COVID hits. And then you're all together all the time. All the and time. you're seeing everything working from home. I mean, I was home alone for so many years while he was going to work. And now he's home. So that's an adjustment, too, for him and for me with kids running around everywhere while he's trying to have a meeting and mm -hmm. stuff. But I think what this looks like for us now, so if there's like a disagreement or maybe we're not on the same page, I do think we're more the type that are processing it more internally. And then now we're better about having a conversation. Mm -hmm. He's better about sitting in the feelings of like, this is uncomfortable and I don't want to have this conversation. And I'm more like um, not repressing and then blowing up, which was more my yep. go-to. Mm -hmm. right? just Or mine would come out in anxiety and I'm just spiraling and it has nothing to do with what I'm feeling the anxiety about. It's all the 20 other things that were on my mind. So I think this is an area we're constantly growing in. I don't know if you would. Agree. Yeah, no, I, I totally I mean, agree with I that. Think you feel that way. I, and I feel like, you know, I think for some people, like I have sometimes people will ask me questions like, well, man, like I bet it drives your wife crazy that you do you know, music so much, yeah. for example. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm like, well, not, I, I, I had never felt that ever. And, and I think where Jamie um, is amazing is that she will help me, like, especially as the music stuff has grown, like I would never have imagined it's gone where it's gone, especially for the last two years, how, how fast and how exponentially things have been growing, which is a blessing. But like Jamie helps me feel grounded without taking the wind out of my sails. Mm. Like she allows me, like, 
like during COVID, I've never felt so we, you know, we're living in a state that for better or worse, was very restrictive right away. People put caution tape on the playground, you know, like I was like, what's going on? And as a seven, especially, and I have a, a friend that's a seven that lives alone. And I can't imagine. And I know it was hard on, on him. And I'm thinking like, man, like, and, but that kind of spurred all this music. I was like the, uh, this music stuff, especially all the online stuff allowed me to like perform and share and all that stuff and feel like I'm escaping, even though I'm in the same physical location. And Jamie was great about like helping, keeping me practical, keep me grounded, but allow me to be super creative and perform, you know? And so uh, that's life-giving energy for me. And, and I'm also able to realize what I can do for Jamie sometimes is not to, is not to take her away from the problem that she's having, but to join her in, join her in that. And so where before I'd be like, let's go do, let's go get sushi. No. Maybe she would like sushi at some point, but what's better for her is I can be like, yeah, like, tell me about it. Let's sit and talk about it. Let me experience these hard feelings with you. And so. Uh, yeah. And yes. communicating it. Communicative. Too, because yes. Because that was an issue, too. I'm like, well, I'm just going to power through this and I'm going to do this. I can. I'm like, know. I didn't know you needed help. I didn't. <laughs> He's like, just tell me. Yeah, Just tell me you need help. Like, I'll, yeah. you know, so communication is obviously a big part of anything. Right. But mm-hmm. um but I think, like, if Pete, there are couples out there that maybe are seven, three, or feeling repressed couples, it doesn't, fights don't look, at least with us, they're not. No. I don't even think you could call it a fight. We've it's never, not we've not, knock on wood, we've never had any kind of, like, yelling at each other, knock down, drag them, you know, yes. fight, that's just not us, but. It's usually just more, it's getting <laughs> us both to communicate yes. it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. say Instead it. of being quiet. Yeah, instead of me powering through and him disappearing <laughs> and making music, we have to just stop, yep. see it, communicate it. <laughs> That's, That's probably our biggest ridiculous emotions are what cause the knock, knock down, <laughs> drag out. <laughs> exactly. You don't have that. You can see it. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And I, I can get my dose to feel good if I've got all these fans in the room and everybody's like, wow, you know, that's so great, blah, blah, blah. And I can come upstairs. I'm like, oh, we're, well, reality, like, yeah, like the music's cool, but like <laughs> I do. still totally dropped the ball. I should have like done this. You know what I mean? So um, it's good for me in that way, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so good. Okay. Y'all alluded a little bit uh, to anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think it's been a particularly anxiety-filled time for most people. How have you seen that show up in the two of you and what are you doing or have you done that worked or didn't work to kind of manage some of that? Probably the one who struggles with it the most. When I was um, in college, I got diagnosed with Graves' disease and it's a thyroid uh, endocrine system issue and so I had a treatment and it I don't have a thyroid anymore so I take medication that basically speeds me up <laughs> it works as my thyroid so you never really have a level feeling of normal you kind of are all over the place when you're you know and I've been pregnant and nursing and doing all the things so my levels have changed and with that comes a lot of anxiety um, that was when I first I was always like a pretty nervous kid maybe worrisome cared a lot about what people thought honestly (laughs) yeah and um so I had a a panic attack for the first time when I was in college so that's when it really just got and it was I think 
in combination with the thyroid stuff and the medication and all that. And um, I don't really struggle with that as much anymore, but I do have general anxiety a lot. And it's, you know, Phil discussed earlier what he feels like he's struggling with all the time with the physical appearance and mm-hmm. stuff. The anxiety is sort of, when I hear that song, that's what I hear, is that's always the constant for me. And um, something that I realized, uh, you know, even, you know, with the COVID stuff and kids at home and homeschooling and the mothering, that was where all of my anxiety went. And, you know, just a lot there. And then, um, you know, past stuff, I've always struggled. Failures, you know, failures for me are unforgivable. And my failures, everyone mm-hmm. else's failures, I have grace for that. And I mm-hmm. can cover, but my own is just, no. And um, so something that I found is all of the deep work with the Enneagram for sure. Um, I'm a big reader, so I read, 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 read. And then for me, it's physical exercise, uh, just running. I'm, mm-hmm. I can't stop. It makes me feel, I, I think it's a big release for all that pent up energy that mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and it's a challenge that I look forward to. And it's given me a lot of uh, relief. And then also a practice just for three, I think for me has been just stopping, like looking up at the sky, uh, you know, trying to find three times during the day where I'm in my body. I am in the car with my three beautiful kids. You know, I'm asking them how they're doing. I'm looking at the time of day. I don't know if that may just being mindful of what's around mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. my body. And it takes me out of the spinning, 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 because it's just never. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of that was just the repressed feeling. Like, I think the anxiety got pent up and trying. You, you just can't live that way. You can't. It just got to a point where I had to figure out you, you can't keep living this way. It's not good for your family. Mm-hmm. And you got to figure out who you are. I, I just didn't know who I was. I mean, I'm still doing that work. I'm still realizing, wow, I am way more extroverted than I thought. I have really strong opinions about things <laughs> that I never knew I could have. I love certain. I'm, I love running. Mm-hmm. I love wake. I like really a lot of physical activity. I just didn't. I've spent so long doing things that I thought everyone wanted me to be and do, yeah. but it, yeah. yeah. So I, it's the work I'm in now too. And the more I get there, the less I know anxiety is physical too. So obviously the thyroid stuff, I can't control. That's always sure. going to be there, but I can accept it and I can see it as a friend, not so much a foe, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like for me. I, and I, you've had to learn how to handle yes, and deal I, with so I think, with it. I think for me, anxiety yeah. was like, the dark stranger that I'd heard about, but not really experienced at length for a sustained time. Or maybe I, you know, could uh, pretend it didn't exist. I'm very, you know, as a seven, I'm very good at justifying things and, you know, reframing and angling different ways. And so when some of the more stuff was happening before I, you know, that I was in this position, I was feeling a lot of anxiety every day. And, and I think, where a blessing of, you know, Jamie having done so much work through it, like her whole life, you know, she was like, what's, you know, you just don't seem like yourself, Phil. Like I wasn't, you know, I just didn't like who I was. And I was, I could see myself. I was like, man, why don't I feel happy today? Like I Mm -hmm. always feel pretty happy, you know? And I hated it. And I was like, she's like, Phil, you know, you're feeling anxious. I think, do you want to tell me what you're feeling? What what you're, what's going on? And so um, I talked to her about it and but like we couldn't just talk about it for five minutes, you know, 
so it was very uncomfortable for me to be like, no, I really am feeling insecure about this. And I don't know about that. And I don't know what's next and blah, blah. And so she's like, well, you know, you, we, this, she just gave me some tools to kind of work through it and meditate on it and really helped me a lot, to be honest with you, to where like, and that really helped me. The, the fruits are just not coming off the tree where I was yeah. like, you know, able to write better. I don't, I, the thing is like, people are encouraging me to get, why'd you stop songwriting? And I, and I, I just, the practical style of life took over, which is fine. But like the past couple of years where I've really been deep into my music and stuff like that, where it's almost to a point where I could just do music, which yep. is, I never thought it'd be possible. It just makes me so happy. But like, it's because I'm writing about stuff and from a perspective of that I didn't have before, yeah. you know? And so that's, that's kind of where, that's where anxiety has been my friend and my enemy, I think. I, I have two more questions yeah. for you. Um, the first is, what do you wish <laughs> seven, three couples knew? What do you, no, that's not the right way to say it. What do you wish people knew about you <laughs> as a couple who are a seven and a three? About us as a couple, I think that one thing that we've learned a lot about each other as a seven and a three is that we both, we love being together. You know, we love um, like our intimate, well, I don't, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, but we, yeah, oh man, um, we like our time together, our close intimate time together. <laughs> Make me uh, okay. Um, but we both love doing separate stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need Jamie to be in the room with me when I'm like performing a live show and there's like 20,000 people in the room. I don't, and not that I wouldn't welcome her being there, but like, we don't have to be together all the time, 24 mm-hmm. seven. And in fact, it brings us a lot of health and enrichment. Like Jamie loves to like, she likes to something I love to read, but only fiction. Honestly, I, I try to read a goal for myself. I have written down. I try to read two nonfiction books every year. And then I probably read 40 <laughs> like fantasy or sci-fi adventure books to get me out of my whatever. Whereas Jamie probably reads 90%. Nonfiction. She's always learning. And so she likes her time to be able to do that. So as a couple, it's okay. I think like, you know, a lot of times we'll go to bed at different times. Cause like Jamie just wants to go to bed early and read and be cozy in bed with a book. I want to be performing music and getting that energy. And she hears me down here. It's probably really loud upstairs and all that stuff. But we've learned that we can be very okay and very close and still be separate in some mm-hmm. areas of our life, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's, we can respect the work. Yes. You, I can respect how hard he's working. Like he needs this for his well-being. He loves the creative. I I love that he loves this. And Mm -hmm. he can see that I need that time by myself. But, you know, I don't know. It it really works for us. I don't know if that's a seven and three thing. It's Mm -hmm. a thing for us. And and I don't need her to be like all the time posting like, isn't my husband awesome? Like, I know she thinks I'm great. I think she's great. Like, so like I, it's helped me to develop a confidence in I mean, I've always had the confidence in our relationship, but like knowing like I never doubt that Jamie's got my back. Like I don't need her to be singing my lyrics all the time. I know she's got my back, you know? Yep. So um, she gives me that confidence to just do what I do and, and she can do what she does, you know? Bob Goff, um, wife. I, do you know Bob Goff? He's, I've he's, met him, but I don't okay. know him. Okay. He's an author and um, his wife, Maria, wrote a book, Love Lives Here. And she talks about how Bob, he, I think he's a seven. Um, he's like a balloon and she's the string and mm. he's always lifting her and she's kind of, and 
But mm-hmm. she needs the lift and he needs the pull down. Totally. And I, I can't, I read that and I th- was like, that is villain. I feel like that is exactly totally. how we feel. I I realize that he needs the creative freedom and the adventure and the fun. Whereas sometimes he knows I need, I don't need that. <laughs> sure. And he, and he allows um, that. And we just, it, it's a very good system. I don't, it's worked very yeah. well for us. Mm-hmm. It seems to be working well, but you've done a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all have done a lot of work. All right. Well, my last question is to you individually. And that is, what are you curious about? You go first. Ladies first. Okay. What are you curious about? Oh, this is good. It can be anything. See, this is a three question. Anything. Is it okay? Okay. Okay. Give you an example. Um, Morgan Harper Nichols is curious about words and language. That was her okay. last week. Okay. 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 I'm, I love learning right now because I'm really into running. I'm really into nutrition too. So I've really enjoyed that sort of. And then I, the teacher in me, I love literacy and child development. And I have young kids. So um, we have two older girls. And then we just had a little guy. He's one. So it's a totally different experience than mm-hmm. my girls. So I've had fun. I'm very curious about learning about all of that. So those are my big curiosities, I would say, right now. Um, all right. Yeah, always okay. has really very, crazy ones. Very stoic. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, you know, honestly, I'm super curious about. I was thinking about this last night, and I had a dream that like I was on this team that was terraforming Mars into like a habitable planet. So like I've always like just blown away by like space and space exploration <laughs> and like man, like it's just what's possible, like what's out there. So I think about that all the time. And I also, I'm also, I I, like, I love science fiction too and things like that. So just like that, like I'm curious about like this insane amount of adventure spirit that some people would have to even be thinking about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also very curious about, um, I'm curious about music. What I love about music is that it is an, you can have an unlimited source of outcomes from these things that are like almost predefined. So, you know, whatever, there's only so many keys of music, but I could play a song 20 different times, 20 different ways. And so I could have these little mini adventures through music. And I'm always kind of exploring like, you know, new sounds and maybe this chordal combination might be fun to try Mm -hmm. or with maybe this style with these lyrics and this kind of stuff. So probably for me right now, probably music and space, I guess. I don't know. That's probably my two. I love those answers. I, I uh, have decided during COVID that I'm going to always ask what people are curious about. Yeah. Because there's so much, there's so much for us to wonder about, isn't there? Yes. yes. What about you? What are you curious about? You know, I'm um, actually curious about the next two or three years. I. Mm. I have always been ahead of myself on how old I am. Like I've always said I'm a year older, like the, the next birthday. I've always said that. Yeah. And um, for the first time ever, ever, I looked at Joe the other day and said, in three and a half weeks, I'm going to be 71. And I haven't even thought about it. The thought uh, hasn't crossed my mind. So I'm curious about, our life right now, Joe's and mine and our work, Mm -hmm. because at 71 almost, and he turned 74 this summer, we 
don't have a lot to protect and we don't have a lot to prove. Yeah. And I'm curious about what that opens up for us. I love that. I And I will tell you, I wouldn't get a chance to say this at the beginning, but it's a little bit, it's really wonderful to be talking to you both. I definitely feel like I've known you for a long time, even though this is the first time we've met today. But it's, I rem, I have a vivid memory of Jamie bringing home several of your, you know, <laughs> books and everything. And then I would like show like, I think at last year or something, you did a, these videos on Twitter, like for every day of the month. And it was like, okay, seven's on the seventh. I must have watched that video 20 times and I would show it to people and be like, look, that's me. That's me. See, that's me. That's me. And I was like, well, look at my number. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll look at yours, but like, look, it's me, you know? So, um, I just, Nobody wants you know, to see your number. Yeah, this, this is me. This is me. This You're is me. Like, I'm the fun one. But I will say to you that like, I, you know, you probably get this a lot. So I hope this is impactful to hear, but you know, obviously like we spent a lot of time with your and other authors, like books and teaching, and we've watched your videos and listened to your podcasts and just the ministry y'all have with, um, Life in the Trinity ministry, it's, it's definitely like, it's just, it's surreal to talk to you. It's been very helpful to us as a couple, you know, and it's just, it's just amazing. God is so good. And it's, it's just interesting to be able to talk to you in person through like this random vehicle of music. And somehow now our paths have crossed and we've got to talk to both of you. And so it's just been a, it's been a true honor. It's been a blessing to talk to y'all. And I really have enjoyed, I could talk to you all day, but it's, 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 um, it's just so exciting. And I, I just want to thank you for the stuff that you, you guys are doing and that you've put out. It's been really helpful for both of us. Well, you know, maybe we'll do a gig together yeah. sometime. Would love it. Oh, yeah. Would love so it. <laughs> love it. Anytime. I'll sing and you can teach the Enneagram. <laughs> That's what we do. Like I'll walk up, I'll give you the guitar and then I'll, and I'll talk about, I'll talk about the Enneagram. thought it was the strength and not the struggle. But it takes more than that to be happy with myself No, I've never cried so hard that I can't stop and smile a little I've never been so sad and scared that I can't breathe I can't seem to break this chain And I know it's killing me I just want to lose it all so I can